0: There's got to be more than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. And he said, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven might be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one was brought before him who owed him 10,000 talents. And when the slave couldn't pay, the king ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and his children and all of his possessions and payment to be made. The slave fell down on his knees before the king and said to him, have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. And out of pity, the king... "'released the slave and forgave him his debt. "'But that same slave, when he went out, "'came across a fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii. "'Seizing him by the throat, he said, "'Pay what you owe.' "'That slave fell down on his knees before the first slave "'and said, have patience with me, and I will pay you. "'But the first slave refused,' And he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and told the king everything that they had seen. So their lord summoned the first slave and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave the way that I had mercy on you. And then in anger, the king handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So Jesus said, will my heavenly father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart? The gospel of the Lord. I said to first service, I don't know what you all expect on the first Sunday back, but this will not be a slideshow of my travels or um, a full accounting of everywhere I've been for the last four months. There will be time for that in the days ahead. For um, a preacher, it's nice to just wrestle with the text again and deal with what um, the lectionary says we're to deal with and I'm to deal with, so the gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter it is. But one of the last official acts of my summer's sabbatical was to travel with my dad to the upper peninsula of Michigan, which will be another sermon for another day. On the way, though, we stopped for dinner near the top of the lower peninsula of Michigan at a place where we vacationed often as a family When I was a kid, we took my best friend, Dave, on as many of those family vacations as we did my own brother. And so I was flooded with a ton of thoughts and feelings, a million memories and emotions as my father and I walked around and took a proverbial stroll down that memory lane. And I don't remember my friend, Dave, for very long without wrestling with and without being reminded about the power and the importance of forgiveness forgiveness like the kind Jesus talks about in this morning's gospel i'll come back to dave's story in a minute this morning peter wants to know lord if another member of the church sins against me how many times am i supposed to forgive Seven? Will one do it? Maybe two? Will seven cut the mustard? And Jesus says, not so subtly, you've heard seven. I say 77 times, which is another way of saying forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and do not stop forgiving. Now, I don't think Jesus is really concerned about the math of forgiveness so much as he is concerned about the aim and the quality of it. What is true forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, real forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive someone and mean it sincerely from your heart, as he says? And why is that what God asks of us? These are hard questions because there are so many things for which forgiveness can be offered. There are so many feelings that have been hurt. Wounds that have been inflicted. Words that have been said. Hearts that have been broken. So that forgiveness seems to be needed in so many different ways. Large and small and everywhere in between. So true, genuine Real forgiveness may be one of those things you can only be sure of when you see it or feel it or give it or receive it for yourself. I think it's like tearing up a scorecard. I think it's like a burden being lifted I think forgiveness is like fear disappearing. It can be a very real physical pressure in your chest that gets released. It's a peace that abides forgiveness. I think that slave in this morning's story must have felt some, if not all of these things, when his Lord released him, forgave him his debt, And sent him on his way, don't you think? But it seems to me we also need to be reminded over and over and over again that when it comes to forgiveness, it has as much to do, maybe it has more to do with the forgiver as it does with the one who receives the forgiveness. The forgiver, just as much as the forgiven, also feels the release of pressure, perhaps. The lifting of a burden, the coming of relief, an abiding kind of peace. And again, you may know more about that if you've ever seen it or experienced it or offered it for yourself, for real. For me, one of the most profound struggles with the practice of forgiveness came when my friend Dave, I told you about a minute ago, one of the best friends I will ever have, died in a drunk driving accident when we were 22 years old. He was in the passenger seat of a car full of mutual friends, and they, along with the driver, were the ones doing the drinking. The anger and the frustration and the regret and the sadness that come with a loss like that are impossible to anticipate. And I watched and I felt it all, anger and regret and sadness and more, as it consumed me and our friends and Dave's family. And the easy target for all of that rage and blame and brokenness and hardness of heart was Jason, our other friend who was driving the car that night. It took some time, some very much needed and very well-deserved time before forgiveness started to happen for those who withheld it. It took longer for some than for others. I'm not sure everyone has mustered it yet, and I do not hold that against them. But once I began to let forgiveness win me over, it became clear to me that my anger and my frustration, my regret, and all of my sadness had more to do with my own connection to that night's events than it did with Jason's position in the driver's seat it was hard to admit all the reckless behavior and stupid choices that led up to the one that finally caught up with us all. It was scary to know that any number of slightly different circumstances could have put any one of us in Dave's place or in Jason's. And as unexpected dying tends to be, it was overwhelmingly sad to wonder about missed opportunities lost potential, and to regret all the things you wish you would have said or done or could still be doing. And those are the things that make true forgiveness hard to give and hard to receive, too. We do things like point fingers and place blame and cast judgment as a way of keeping our distance from the ugliness of sin and the difficulty of conflict or the hurt feelings and the deep sadness of whatever or whoever needs forgiveness. We hold on to grudges because they keep difficult conversations at arm's length. We keep score of wrongs because we can create winners and losers that way. We let our fear get the best of us because it comes more naturally too much of the time than our faith does. Maybe we withhold forgiveness because we like to think it's a way to get even with or to punish the ones who've done us wrong. All of that is the kind of prison and torture I think Jesus points to in this morning's parable. I don't think the torture that comes from refusing forgiveness like that slave did to his friend has anything to do with some cosmic eternal penalty that waits for us somewhere after we're dead or gone. I believe the torture of unforgiveness finds and afflicts us right where we live, here and now, on this side of heaven. And it afflicts those of us who withhold the gift just as much as it does the ones who believe we think need our forgiveness. Have you ever let the hard work, and it is hard work, of unforgiveness keep you up at night? Have you ever let it impact your daily life? Have you ever let it harm your relationships. Have you ever let the anger and the hatred of unforgiveness cause you stress and anxiety to the point that you can feel it in your body? Have you ever held an unforgiving grudge against someone that you live with or work with or worship with? Is there anything more awkward, more painful? more unholy than sharing space and breath and life with a person you cannot forgive. It is a prison, and it is a torture of its own kind, which God calls us to unlock through the practice of forgiveness. And forgiveness does not always mean hugs and kisses and warm fuzzies. It is never a sign of weakness or of giving in. It does not imply that another's wrongs were justifiable or acceptable. It doesn't even mean that relationships will always be restored on this side of eternity. When I decided to forgive my friend Jason, the one who was driving when Dave was killed, I got his address, and I wrote him a few letters in prison trying to let him know as much. It's been 27 years, and I've never heard back from him, even though he's out now. He's married. He has kids and a family. He's one of those people with no presence on social media. He's never reconnected with any of our friends from back in the day either, as far as I know. That is his prerogative, and for which he probably has really good reasons. And what I realized a week or so ago, during my walk down memory lane with my dad, is that my forgiveness of Jason was never so much about him as it was about me. That I was changed, that I was blessed and better, by forgiving him, whether it meant a thing to him or not. I felt free. I felt unburdened by my anger, by my self-righteousness, by my judgment. And I found some comfort and no small amount of hope believing that our friend Dave himself could see and would understand the bigger picture of what happened that night. And I think this is God's desire for God's people. That we quit bearing burdens of anger and resentment and regret and remorse that torture and dismantle us from the inside out. That we release ourselves from doing what is God's work, discerning what holy judgment looks like, I mean, that instead we keep our hearts and our minds focused on practicing grace, offering mercy, making peace, and extending, when we can muster it, true, real, genuine forgiveness. And that we do that the way it has first been shared with us and is meant to be shared with the world, thanks always and only to the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus Christ, the one from whom it matters most anyway. Amen.